Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Tuesday, January the 23rd. And we're starting today with news that residents have slammed a new housing estate in Sittingbourne. They say developers have built the properties in the wrong place and they're nearly two metres too high. Well, the 49 new homes in Libroke Close are nearly finished, but those living nearby say they've lost privacy and feel claustrophobic. Our reporter, Megan Carr, has been speaking to resident and Smith. At the beginning we didn't have any issues. We were quite happy that it was going to be part affordable housing to put, bring in people that we needed in Swell, doctors, nurses, teachers and the likes of that. We were very happy with that but things have gone on over the years and despite our raising complaints and questions and that, nothing's been done. Um, all around the site Adelaide Drive, Hobart Gardens, Borden Lane and Libbrook Close have all been raising issues but nothing seems to do any good. You don't get anywhere with them. They don't resolve anything, they just carry on, do what they want and then slap in retrospective afterwards and they, they couldn't care less. It's a case of the big boys against the little people I'm afraid. Can you tell me about the issues that you face living here and, and what's happened that's wrong with, with the development? Right, well the houses that built out the back of us, um, plots three to five, they're in the wrong position. They haven't had permission to put them where they are. Um, Borden Lane, they, they're now overlooked because they've put um, uh, windows up in the roofs of the block of flats so they can see straight in the gardens in Borden Lane. Hobart Garden, well we're not sure what's going on there. Um, they don't like the fact that, that the height of the buildings and that where the bank's been cut away, where there used to be a concrete wall has been taken down, so they, it could have destabilised the uh, foundations of their houses, um, not today or tomorrow, but in years to come, as it gradually erodes, who knows? Um, Adelaide Drive is just the same, where the height's gone up, it's affected them. And the issues that we've had to put up with we were told it was going to take 18 months to develop the site. Five years later, it's still not finished. And we've had to put up whenever it's wet. We've had mud everywhere. It's been thick mud out in the road and all up on the drives, comes into the houses. When it's dry, everything's covered in mud. So we just can't win, no matter what we do, um, moats do as they please. Well, Builders Moat Homes have sent us this statement. We've carefully considered the impact that this new housing will have on neighbouring properties. All houses have been built in the locations set out in the approved planning application. The height of some of the blocks was changed to accommodate vital drainage solutions. The revised levels were reviewed by the Swale planning officer, who found that they would not cause any any unacceptable impact on living conditions for neighbouring residents. We want our new homes to have a positive impact within their communities and have offered to attend a further public meeting with councillors and residents. We hope to be able to hold these discussions soon to address any concerns and discuss how we'll manage these homes in the future. We've also been in touch with the council. They've told us they're looking into the claims the homes are different to what was planned. Kent Online News. Other top stories today and a Canterbury man who contacted his ex on social media has been sent to prison after being caught out by his poor spelling. Gary Young is a convicted flasher and he breached a court order to message his former partner from a fake account 
she recognised his writing style. The 48-year-old who lives in St Margaret's Crescent had previously faced stalking charges. He's been locked up for 12 months. A would-be thief has been caught after a police dog and drones were used to find him in a field in Canterbury. The man was seen running from a business in Nackington while the alarm was sounding. He was found in possession of a crowbar and officers later discovered stolen goods and bolt cutters in his car. He's been locked up for eight months. Investigations are underway after two restaurant workers were threatened by armed robbers in Gravesend. Staff were finishing their shifts at the Toby Carvery in Cold Harbour Road last Friday when the suspects broke in. They managed to steal cash before getting away. Three Kent MPs have put their names to a letter calling on the government to rethink funding levels to local authorities. 46 members in total signed the appeal for an emergency injection of funding to struggling councils. It comes as Kent County Council says it no longer received enough money from central government to provide essential services. Now a Kent mum who was told her baby would be better off without her is calling for an apology from the government over forced adoptions. Around 185,000 unmarried women were taken to hospitals and told to give away their children in the 50s, 60s and 70s. County councillor Karen Constantine was one of them. She managed to keep her baby but wants ministers to acknowledge the harm that was caused. She's been speaking to Lucy. The experience that I had and the, the basically the shame that I felt and the treatment that I received left me kind of confused. And I, I think you, we would now describe that as traumatised. I mean, you have to understand it's not a mother and baby unit. It's a home for fallen women. This is what I've come to understand. And you go in there and the door is locked behind you and you are, in effect, you're in there. There is no front door key. Nobody's giving you the key. Nobody's giving you permission to go out. It was it was weeks, if not months, before I went outside of that building. And when I was in there, I had uh, I had to do the cleaning and I was actually put on laundry duty, which is probably why I hate doing the laundry now, you know. But it, it was, you know, one of the things that happened when I when I fell pregnant, my school room actually amazing. And um, I did. I stopped going to school, but they I was in the middle of my O level. So they all the teachers all came round. Mrs. McLaughlin, my English teacher in particular, was fantastic and came round and gave me lessons at home. However, when I went into the home, my education stopped completely and of course the other thing is you lose contact completely with all of your friends so you just you're just incredibly incredibly isolated but what I would also say is when you are that young you have a great deal of resilience and you you don't know that this is wrong you just accept it so I did just accept what was happening to me I did find the experience of having um, a person who was both a priest and a social worker um, talking to me on an almost daily basis about how much better off my baby would be with other parents, that I couldn't give this baby anything and there were other people that could give this baby everything. And I was being lent on, coerced, pressured, bullied into signing away this baby that I was carrying. And I'd already got very strong feelings about the baby, you know, which I was certain was a girl, which it wasn't in the end. But I couldn't conceive. I had no knowledge of how a baby would come out or anything. I mean, you know, so I didn't know how I could keep the baby 
But I just wished, I just wished I could keep the baby. And it was a really, it was really difficult. The vast majority, almost everybody that I've spoken to didn't want to give their baby up, you know, and then the stories are about how painful that was. You know, the stories of how the women were left to labour, really, in when they went into labour, without really adequate care, because that was part of them learning their lesson. I heard of one case where the woman was told, oh, no, your baby's died. Your baby's died. And she was actually shown a grave outside. But in fact, her baby hadn't died. So the scale of what happened to women, you know, the shame that they, they bore, the way in which they were treated was really inhumane, abominable. And it's very hidden. And it's those stories and, and that need for a, a formal apology from the government, which is really pressing now. It's a massive scandal. Ministers insist lessons have been learnt. Kent Online reports. A teenage boy has been treated for a head injury after violence broke out on Whitstable High Street. Police and paramedics were called to reports of a disturbance on Saturday. A 14-year-old boy and 20-year-old man were arrested and released on bail. Two men have been injured in an attack at a bus stop in Canterbury. They were punched and kicked after getting off a bus on Sturry Road last Thursday. A 23 and 27-year-old have been arrested on suspicion of assault and released on bail. A Hythe barber says he's devastated after the front of his shop was destroyed just days before he was set to open. A car smashed through the business on the high street over the weekend and caused around £10,000 worth of damage. The opening's been delayed, but they're hoping to be able to start trading in the coming weeks. Meantime, the fire station on Sheppey's been broken into while crews were out responding to an emergency. Personal belongings, including a bank card owned by a firefighter, was stolen during the raid on Sheerness High Street on Sunday night. I've got a very distressing story for you now and a Sheppey family fear they won't get justice after their cat was shot at what's said to be point-blank range. Silas was injured in the halfway area last week and has since undergone expensive life-saving surgery. Owner Karen Clayton has also set up a fundraiser to try and pay for his care. She's been telling the podcast more about what happened. He's an outdoor cat. He loves being outside. Um, he'd been in most of the day asleep and uh, he asked to go out about half past six. Didn't think anything of it. And I was watching the TV about half past nine and Karis lives in a log cabin at the end of my garden. All of a sudden she came running in the back door, um, absolutely distraught and just screamed, I need your help in my bedroom and for that, and then run off again. And I was just like, oh, what's, what's going on? So I went running down to her bedroom and um, she kind of just, pointed to the cat so the cat had managed somehow the vets are astounded um, but he managed to get himself home jump over a six foot garden fence and then jump then jump up into Karis's bedroom window and then he collapsed onto her bed um I, th- I thought he was dead to be honest with you um there was just the hole is literally it's the size of it, like a dinner plate a, a, a side plate it's huge Um, We didn't know what it was. I just knew that there was this horrific injury. um, And I kind of went into mum mode, even though they're all adults, and started barking orders at Karis and her boyfriend. It was just like, get the cat basket, get a towel, do this. I've come running down to the house to get my phone to phone the vets. We got him to the vets um, and they were like, do you have any idea how this could have happened? And we was like, no, we don't know. And And they rushed him off. 
and we sat in the waiting room for what seemed it was it was a long time, but it seemed like hours and hours. And then a vet come out and said, um, "We don't know what's caused this injury. It's not an animal attack because there's no teeth marks. It's not a road traffic accident because there's no like tire." um marks or no no evidence of that it's a very deep wound but we don't know what's caused it we need to operate um but it's going to be very expensive and then at half past two the vet phoned me up and said I don't know how to tell you this at this point I thought they was going to tell me if he died and he said but it appears that your cat has been shot with a shotgun there's a large amount of shotgun pellets in him um, at quite close range it's done extensive amounts of damage by some miracle all the pellets have missed every single organ in his body they've, they've missed all the organs and there's none in his spine which is the the most dangerous um, so they said we we can't deal with this here it needs specialist treatment um, yeah so we we obviously contacted the police so, so I, it's, it was the middle of the night so I filled on the, filled in the online form um and then the next day I got an email back, which I did forward to the um, the newspaper people, but I got an email back. And in the letter, it basically said that it's um, being classed as criminal damage to an item valued less than £5,000. And there's no CCTV evidence or no um, um, video evidence. So they can't really investigate. And how has it made you feel actually about your other pets? Are you now well, feeling we, worried we about letting them out? Yeah, no, we don't oh, want yeah. them to go out. So we've barrack like so. Unfortunately, or well, we thought it was really clever when he learned to do it. But our other cat, Ezra, learned to open our kitchen window, so he can open the catch and push the window open. And he used to let him and Silas out because he's bigger than Silas. Every time he's out, we're like on tenterhooks looking for him. So we're trying to keep him in as much as possible. Um, and obviously, we warned all of our neighbours, and they're all keeping because most people down this road have actually got cats. Um, so they're all keeping their cats in as well. And it's just everyone's just like on high alert, to be honest. Um, it's terrifying. While it has been reported to police, officers say they don't know exactly where it happened and no suspects have been identified so far. Kent Online reports. Several vehicles have been damaged after a thief rammed a stolen car through a front wall while making a getaway in Dover. A suspect also crashed into several parked cars on Folkestone Road last Wednesday before dumping the Fiat 500 nearby. People in parts of Kent are still having issues with their water supply after Stormisha. Leaks and power problems have affected homes near Maidstone and Ashford. Southeast Water have told us supplies are gradually being restored, but we've got more bad weather expected. Storm Jocelyn is on the way later. Now, parents and carers who are late to pick up their children from a primary school in Folkestone could be charged a fee. St Peter's Church of England says any student left behind will be placed in an after-school club at a cost of £6 per day. Now, it follows an increase in children being left without warning and without an acceptable excuse. You can let us know what you think today by heading to the story at Kent Online and voting in the poll. A 10-year-old girl from Medway has finally been able to restart school after waiting a year for a special educational needs place. Abby Woman from Who struggles 
struggles with anxiety. She's also got autism and an eating disorder. She was taken out of her mainstream school last year. Her mum says it's been a fight to find her a place at a suitable school and is calling for more SEM provision across the county. Next today, we can hear from a Tunbridge Wells woman who was hit by a car in 2014 but has now completed a motorbike race across the Sahara. Vanessa Ruck started biking after recovering from surgery and she's hoping to inspire others after taking on the 13-day Africa Eco Race. There's a reason why doing that race has got such a big reputation and why it's notoriously known as one of the toughest endurance races in the world. My body, I don't think, has ever felt quite so exhausted, both mentally and physically, ever in my life. It was brutal, but also at the same time incredible to be racing across such territory and terrains across Africa and managing to make it to the finish line. I've got this sort of double-edged exhaustion and high from making it to the finish at the same time. It sounds gruelling, it sounds like such hard work, but it sounds like such an achievement as well. I mean, first in the women's category, 27th overall. I mean, how did it feel getting across that line? Honestly, I kind of burst into tears when I crossed the finish line. I was racing for 13 days. My longest day on the bike was 13 and a half hours, 6,000 kilometres on a motorcycle. And for anyone thinking, you've got an engine, how hard can it be? If you try walking in deep sand, some of the days were 80% sand, sand dunes 400 metres high. And if you try walking in deep sand, it is considerably harder. You're then on a motorcycle that weighs far more than double my weight. It's 177 kilos. And a motorcycle, I promise you, doesn't want to stay up in that terrain on its own. So you really are wrestling physically. And it's very complex navigation as well. You're following a piece of paper, compass bearing symbols and uh, French abbreviation. So it's really, really an intense process. It was basically an absolute rollercoaster of emotions on the finish line. I didn't know whether to laugh, cry or scream. The fact that I'd made it there was just a huge achievement. It's incredible. Over 104 hours in the saddle, um, I hear. I mean, when you think back to the race, I mean, does it kind of all blur into one or are there any kind of specific moments that, that you can really pick out and remember? Any, any favourites? There are some incredible favourites. The dunes are the bits that scare me the most, but they're also my, my love. When you're in the middle of the dunes and you stop on the crest of this massive pile of sand, and every so often I just stop and absorb the moment, look around in every direction, there is nothing. There's not a sound, there's not a person. And as far as the eye can see is just sand dunes. And those moments are terrifying because you're out there completely on your own. You're, you have an issue with your bike, you have an, a crash and you injure yourself, you've got to get yourself through and out of there basically. And those moments are where you really feel alive of how brutal the barren the terrain is that you're racing through. Kent Online News. Plans to open a 24-hour Greg's in Kent have been scrapped following a backlash from the public. The bakery chain wanted to offer round-the-clock service at the branch in Canterbury City Centre in what would have been a UK first. However, the proposal has now been abandoned after too many people complained it would lead to antisocial behaviour. The site of a demolished manor house in Broadstairs has gone on the market. Fallen Manor once stood at the North Foreland estate but was taken down in 2019. The plot comes with planning permission for 30 
for homes. Meantime, new holiday cabins have opened at Leeds Castle near Maidstone. Four lodges have been built next to the lake there. You can see pictures today by heading to the website. And finally, Sophie Ellis-Bexter has been on our sister radio station, KMFM, to talk about the resurgence of her noughties hit Murder on the Dance Floor. It was used in the final scene of new movie Saltburn and is back in the charts at number 10 on the Kent Top 40. Well, she was on the show with Alex and Numi at the weekend. 22 years since Murder on the Dance Floor was originally released and now it's back in the Kent Top 40 and charts around the world. How, how does it feel? <laughs> um, well, I've used the word bonkers a lot recently. There's definitely <laughs> an element of that. It's sort of, it's like magical. It's fun. I think it's pretty unique. I mean, mm. what a ride. You know, Murder has been a friend of mine for such a long time. <laughs> And uh, and now to have it back, but also having a slight reinvention thanks to Saltburn is really fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an iconic scene when it appears in Saltburn as well. When did you mm. first know that it was going to be in the film? Um, quite a while ago, I was asked for approval, but you only get a very small amount of information then. Yeah. So I knew knew some key elements, like the lack of clothes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like, are you okay with your song mm. being associated with full frontal nudity? Yes, a little bit of that, yeah. But I, I could also see that it was in a film that was written and directed by Emerald Bennell, so I was like, oh, it's in safe hands. Cool. Because I'd seen Promising Young Woman, so I was like, I think I think I can trust her. Yeah. And I'm so glad I had that instinct, because I thought the movie's brilliant, and I love how she's used music throughout, actually. So, yeah, what a nice thing to be part of. And it's a song as well that still feels so timeless. I think it came out when I was three years old, but it's one that I've got so many memories of throughout my life. And it's one of those things that when you release something as an artist, you kind of let go of it and, and put it out into the world and people, in Definitely. to an extent, just do what they want with it. Have you had any surprises yeah. through your life of, of where it has come up and where it's been used? Yeah, I think that's very well put about letting it go. And you're right, if you do, you sort of give it over to a sort of communal space, really. And then actually part of your relationship with the song evolves because of how people reflect it back to you. So mm. every time someone's told me it's, you know, the song that was their song from uni or from yeah. a holiday they went on or a dance at their wedding or whatever it might be, that all becomes part of its story. And I really love that feeling, actually. So it's just quite remarkable that it's still showing me new things after all this time. I think that's the bit that's really crazy. And obviously you've had the film, but also new people hearing the song and, you know, people doing dance to it and all the stuff I've seen on TikTok. Yeah, and you're just yeah. like, it kind of blows your mind a little bit, really. You're like, wow, this song is, has has reached so many people. Um, it's extraordinary. Yeah, what, a, what an amazing thing. Kent Online Sports. Football and clubs in the Kent County League have been given a warning about behaviour from players and fans. Chairman Gavin Hawes sent out a letter following a series of issues, including police having to be called to games and matches being abandoned. The executive committee says teams could be expelled or given a points deduction if the abuse continues. And Gillingham's under-18s are playing Sunderland in the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup later. The game at Priestfield was due to take place last week but was postponed because the pitch was frozen Whoever wins will face Swindon Town in the next round. Kickoff is at seven. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.